On this episode of the AV Professional, we take a look at metrics and measurement, how to drive behavior through what you are measuring, all that and more, next on the AV Profession. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation. This is the AV Profession. Episode 29, Measuring Success. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. This is the AV profession to look at the business of the audiovisual industry. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. With us to discuss a couple things today is Mr. Brad Malone from Navigate Management Consulting. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Uh, an old boss of mine who, who's still a dear friend, um, instilled in me uh what gets measured gets done yep let's talk about metrics for a minute here and and measurement and how that drives the behavior of your organization um when it comes to you know not just your frontline folks but your frontline folks your your accounting teams your your project management team right so let's um what i found at training people, setting up, you know, key performance indicators, key metrics for a lot of companies is that the metrics make sense. I mean, you know, are you within variance thresholds, uh, utilization, chargeability, burden, all those are things that can be measured. But what I've found recently is that there's a lot of people who don't know what they mean. So, you know, I would encourage all the listeners to, after this conversation, go and ask, you know, 10 random people in your company to define some of the conversations we'll walk through. And what's it's interesting, because I've done it twice recently, they were totally different interpretations of what just simple words meant. And if you don't understand the words, then we definitely don't understand the metrics. And like you said, metrics drive behavior. So what behavior are we really trying to drive? So an example is profit. I've talked to several techs and they're like, oh, no, well, yeah, profit's what, you know, I, my boss just drove up with a new car. So I guess that's what profit means. And why do we need profit? I don't need profit because I'm not getting a new car and they got a new car every year. So profits seem sometimes to be this we versus they conversation. And I'd really like to, you know, if we walked around and talked to techs and said, what's the difference between gross profit and overhead and net profit? And if they're not putting time against a job, where does that land? Does that land in overhead? And if it does, how does that impact gross profit and net profit? And how does a company make profit? How do they spend profit? Why is it important? I mean, this is a, a key conversation that I think some companies don't even realize, and I'll say some owners don't even realize, you know, what are the distinctions between these and why are we measuring them and how do we track them? Well, and how do you, how do you communicate the benefits of profit, I guess, to the folks uh, who don't get a, who don't get a new car. exactly who don't get a new car. You know, yeah. and I I call it almost the the lubrication of the company because I mean it's the oil that makes the engine work. So how, we can't get new vans. Okay? Our warehouse looks the way that it is. You know, the the uniforms that they wear, the luncheons that we take them to, all the things that make the company, I'll say, great are driven from profit and then it's how do we use that profit to actually spend it 
to get a better return on that investment. And that's a whole other word that we could play with. So it's, it's understanding that it's, again, it's the engine that makes the oil, excuse me, it's the oil that makes the engine work is what we're really after when it comes to, to profit. And it's not a bad word. And sometimes we get into political campaigns where profit is a bad word. And it's like, without it, your company doesn't exist. And I'll, I'll have lots of, of companies reward their salespeople and show big revenue targets. But I'm like, re I need revenue. But more importantly, I need profit. Let's talk about burden and what that yep. means to a company. That's a, a huge uh, conversation. Uh, I'm going to be speaking at uh, PSA Tech uh, later this week, March 13th. And part of that is about burden because many organizations, I'll say, see it as a burden to actually calculate it. But they'll take their hourly rate and add a factor to it that they think makes sense and then put... Um, profit on that and that's our hourly rate but burden is really the cost that it takes to put your labor out into the workforce uh, or out into the workplace and it's comprised of all of their taxes all of their health care uh, you can start to move their equipment into it their vans into it their operational management into it but it's basically what does it take to truly run my operational area including service, and you can have two sections in terms of burden, but how do I run that as a true profit loss center? And I find that a lot of organizations aren't, they don't understand it, you know, they don't, they don't figure out how to calculate it, and therefore if I can't calculate it, I really can't manage it. I can't start to peel it apart and say, if I want to lower my burden, and the more I lower my burden, and actually my true burden rate, the more profit I make. So, how, and these things all start to tie together from a finance perspective, which shouldn't have people glaze their eyes over. But burden's what it costs to get somebody out the door. Okay. Talk for a second about the difference between utilization yeah, and charge charge. And, okay. and, and, and how you measure that. Yeah. And these also impact uh, burden. So utilization is how busy people are. Uh, if I have somebody who's working 50 hours a week and we, we think that uh, you know, 40 hours is what we want to have, they're actually being utilized at 120%, uh, so it's, which means they're busy. Okay? Chargeability is how much they're making the, the company money. So are they billing clients or are they having uh, work that is chargeable? In other words, we're creating revenue from that and chargeability is typically less than utilization but I want people to be somewhere around 75% uh, chargeable and I would look at but they may be over a hundred percent or utilized so oftentimes these two words are uh, I'll just say messed up they're used interchangeably and utilized is, again, how busy someone is and do I need more people. Chargeable is are they actually bringing in revenue and therefore are they covering their burden. So when you see people who aren't chargeable, their burden rate starts to increase because I have less hours. They're making me less money with less hours, so I'm having to pay for that overhead even though they are, quote, utilized. So it's a... Uh, a big distinction that a lot of people really don't understand. Yeah. And, and with that, I'll just bring in that a lot of salaried people don't track their actual time because they're saying, well, I don't get paid anymore anyway. I'm not going to make any more money. But therefore, we're not showing how, how utilized they are. I have a lot of salaried people complain, I'm busy. I'm like, how many hours do you put on your time card? They're like, 40. I'm like, well, then you don't look, you know, you don't look busy. 
And they're like, well, uh, and I'm like, you got to track actual actuals. Now, depending on the state, and we don't want to, you know, belabor that, but depending on the state, there's, there's different taxing and different payroll policies when it comes to doing actual actuals with salaried. But if you're going to understand how you estimate and how well and how productive and how efficient and effective are, you are, you've got to start tracking actual actuals. Well, then how do you, um, I guess, measure the cost of quality then when it comes to um, conformance and non-conformance when it right. comes to a job? Well, I've actually been working with a couple clients and they're putting in new time card categories. And one of them is time wasted by others. So you go to a job site and you can't get any work done, but you want to build, you need to, you know, make yourself quote productive or build the job. But was I actually pulling wire? No, I was waiting on somebody else. So that's a, a cost of, of nonconformance to the client. The other is what if our engineers either didn't take enough time? Um, and that's typically what happens because they're salaried and they're working a whole bunch of different things. Um, they didn't get the drawings right. So now I have guys in the field who are actually doing field engineering on something and spending two to three times the amount of hours on that that it would have taken the engineer. So let's start to log how much drama time this is. And so I, I tend to put drama under nonconformance. And when you look at uh, a lot of companies, 30, 40% of their projects are just consumed by drama. And, and drama is usually caused by somebody upstream in the process not fulfilling their job to the standard, which, you know, again, as we talked uh, in another session, takes courage to hold people to the standard. Um, and then the, the last one that I'd like to talk about real quick is just yeah. distinguishing labor capacity and labor, um, lab, not labor performance, but labor scheduling and the whole resource management process. I so see a lot of and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of companies, they have, they use the word pipeline. I'm like going, well, what is it? Well, we have $8 million in our pipeline. I'm like, well, how many hours is that? And they're like, well, we don't know. I'm like, yeah, but you don't just sell equipment. You also sell labor. And so what is your labor-based pipeline? Is that $8 million of revenue really five to 10,000 hours? And are those 10,000 hours all going to hit in June? And how many hours do I have available? Well, I only have 6,000 hours available in June. Yeah, but you just sold 10. And then around May, they go, I think we need some subcontractors. And it's like, I think you're a little late. You know, so, you know, but it's, again, it's amazing to me how summer surprises some of these companies every year around May. Um, so your forecast is what do we project moving forward? And that's basically in our, our pipeline. Our backlog is what we've sold but haven't scheduled. And a lot of companies have a backlog of three or four or five months of effort that they have to work off. And the more the better until you have special people who want to, you know, push things closer. And then you have things that are scheduled. And most organizations that I've seen are scheduling out maybe two weeks, maybe just a week with certainty. So scheduled is when I basically put a named resource onto a project or onto a task. And all three of those are in a state of flux, oftentimes in a company. Um, but what I often see is that sales is playing with forecast, but they're not sharing with operations what's coming down the pipe. And again, is it going to be a busy summer? Can we move something around? So a lot of organizations I see um, have this still equipment paradigm versus 
a labor paradigm. And again, by understanding those three conversations, forecast, backlog, and scheduled, we can start to see how do we utilize our labor better. So lots of different terms that I threw out today, and uh, you've been in the industry a long time, Tim, you can probably agree with me, there's a whole lot of definitions out there. So we can measure all these things, but to me, more importantly, is are we all understanding what they mean and why they need to be measured, and then also how do we impact yeah, and also how you how you communicate to your to your organization to your employees what's being absolutely met, and and then delivering on those measurements and showing them you know where they're doing good and where they're not so doing good. Yeah, and again, and if they're not, then let's let's change you know let's let's try to move the lever on the metric versus you know look at the person and say you know bad wrong. Says I find most people want to make a difference. We need to point them in the right direction and then help them make a difference. Again, as you said, metrics drive behavior. Um, let's create the behavior we want. Absolutely. All right, Mr. Brian Malone, that'll be a good place to stop. Uh, Brian Malone from Navigate Management Consultant. Where do people find you? Uh, you can email me at brad.malone at navigatemcmikecharlie.com or go to our website. We've got a lot of cool stuff out there, navigatemc.com. So thanks, Tim. All right, Mr. Brad Malone from Navigate. Thank you, sir. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. For more information about us, you can go by the website, avnation.tv. avnation.tv, you'll find this program and a host of others, including our two weekly programs. Uh, looks at the news of the audiovisual industry. The AV Week looks at the commercial side, and Prezi Week looks at the residential. All that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. 